Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In the days following his mother's sudden death, Socrates, a 15-year-old living in Sao Paulo's margins, faces difficulties of surviving on his own, coming to terms with his grief. We're joined today by the director of the film Socrates, and that's Alex Morato. Alex, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here with you. Thank you. And I, I didn't... Uh, I, you can fill out this story. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going on, but the basics is... Socrates' mom dies. He's 15 years old. He's living, as I said, in, sort of in the margins, in the in the most, in the what appears to be one of the poorer parts of Sao Paulo. And now he's got to make his way in the world. What would you say? I think that that's a good way to get the story started. Of course, there's more to the story, but I one of the things I really like about this script and the way the story unfolds, and we did this purposefully is that you discover more about his life as the story goes on. So, I mean, it's out there uh, in the press that he's gay, but you actually don't find that out until later into the film. So that's probably just one of the only spoilers I'll give out. I think the rest you just sort of discover as you go along this journey of survival with him. Right, right. And, yeah, you're right. It, it, uh, the, fil- the film definitely unfolds. And uh, there's another aspect to the film that we'll get into in fact uh why don't we get into it right now the crew talk about sort of who helped put this film together and how it came about yeah this film was produced in a very special and different way uh it was produced by teenagers from a unicef supported institute in brazil called the kiddo institute they work with teens from the low-income communities and through filmmaking courses, they'll teach them other skills like entrepreneurial skills, um, how to have confidence in themselves, how to be professional, and they learn all of that through the film set. So this film is the first feature that they produced through a workshop setting because they do short films every year with their students. They've done hundreds of shorts, and so this was... um, a workshop in a workshop. It was our, our very first feature uh, and my first feature. And so it was a learning experience for absolutely everybody. Um, and it was just great to work with these. It was great to work with these kids because they're from the communities where the film is set. So they were able to bring a real authenticity uh, through their contributions by finding locations, helping find the cast, and also one of the very talented kids actually co-wrote the script with me. So all of that helps make the film very authentic. So it's very much for them and by them. Right. So so they co-authored the script. They worked as crew. They were cast in the film. They did. Now, I assume someone else edited the film. I'm going to I'm going to guess that or, or did they? And I edited the oh, film. There you go. I edited the okay. film. Yeah. I, I was I got some wonderful support uh, by one of our producers and my mentor for a very long time, a filmmaker called Ramin Barani, who directed Ninety Nine Homes and 
man pushed cards and chop shop. So he was involved very much throughout the editing, mentoring me on how to make the cuts uh, as fluid and as complete as possible. And then Sabine Hoffman, who's a very terrific editor, uh, she supervised our edit. So, um, you know, it's wonderful to have the post-production help and support from people who know how to do it. Yeah, and Ramin has been, uh, I'm I'm glad to be able to say Ramin is one of my favorite directors. He's been on, he was on the show for Man Push Cart and, and Chop Shop as well. So it, he's a terrific resource. And I know he's been mentoring a lot of people of late. I We've had a couple of people actually on recently that worked with him on putting their film together. And he just seems like such a, such a wonderful mentor. Well, he loves cinema, and he lives for cinema. Uh, he, he's always working on something, and I think he believes in the future of cinema, and he wants to support that. And, and he's a teacher, too, at Columbia University. So uh, I think it's wonderful that he's mentoring and helping so many people um, because his eye is very objective, and um, not many people are able to work that way with different visions. I mean, he is actually the person who introduced me to such a wide variety of films. I used to watch just, I used to be interested in one specific kind of film, and then he was like, you should be watching everything, not just these neorealist films. You should also be watching uh, Stanley Kubrick. You should be watching just a wide variety, anything, genre films, independent films, good Hollywood films, everything. So that that's the great thing about Ramin. Yeah, yeah, it's terrific. Well, I want to talk about the film itself, the, the look of the film. You mentioned neorealism. This certainly has all the, that, uh, the characteristics of that kind of a film. And it also, um, help me if, if this seems not to be a good an, uh, a good comparison, but City of God came to mind when I was watching this. I, I don't know if that is is something that was there a model that you were looking for, or did you, or was your sort of your direction to to the crew to these kids to just uh, figure it out as they went along? What, what's what? How did you sort of guide them in making this film? Yeah, no model really. Um, we I very much like City of God. I have tremendous respect for Fernando Medalli, the director of that film. Um, I actually wanted to stay very far away from City of God, and I specifically told everybody, like, let's let's try and stay away from City of God, not because I don't like it. I love that film. And precisely for that reason, uh, I, I mean, that movie comes to mind when you see a lot of Brazilian films. I think it's just natural that it would come to mind uh, because of the location. Right. Um, it, it, it would be hard for it not to come to mind just because that movie, it's like, I mean, it's one of the Brazilian films that has influenced world cinema and, and very much the Brazilian cinema. So I think it's hard for that movie to not come to mind. But we actually, we did want to avoid that movie stylistically. So I actually, I rewatched City of God again recently and... Uh, it's it's amazing. I feel like if you don't see a movie in the last five years, it's almost like you haven't seen it because your perspective on it changes. And I really think we did a good job from staying away from that style. Okay. For this film, stylistically, I worked very hard with um, my DP, João Gabriel Chiquedoz. He's an amazing DP. 
This was his second feature. He's a very young guy. Um, and we wanted to create a filming style that would still come from a place of realism and documentary, but that would be a little bit more subjective, that would put us more in the headspace of Socrates. Uh, of course, sound helped with that, um, but that was all built in the way we, we shot it. We knew we would try some subjective things with sound, uh, and so it really just came from a place of, you know, where can we put the camera to tell the story in as few cuts as possible mm-hmm. um, and still put us in the headspace of Socrates. Gotcha. Well, uh, yeah, and, and I'll say, watching it, again, there's a lot of energy. There, the, the scenes are, um, there's, there's, it, there's nothing extraneous in the film. Uh, wa- watching the film, the scenes come, and when it's ready to, to transition to another scene, it's, it's very immediate. I, I'm not doing a good job of describing this exactly how I, I intend, but it, it just feels like there's th- this. I would it, frenetic is. Not I think the, what you're trying to say is that it just keeps moving forward. Yes, right? yes. I, yeah, the word frenetic comes to mind, but that's not really. That doesn't really capture what it is. But it, yeah, it just goes. It just goes. Once it starts, it, it's it, yeah. It just keeps going as you said there's we're not we're not looking at panoramic views of the city you know it doesn't spend a lot of time on on the accoutrements of a film it it yeah. gets it gets the story it's about the immediacy of the story and these and what what socrates is is dealing with and him trying to survive and how he's trying to work his way through these very harrowing situations that he's in well, that was on purpose, and we built that into the way we shot it, but we even heightened that more with the way that we edit it with, you know, very abrupt cuts, um, a few sound transitions. We just, I wanted the film to feel like a tidal wave. Yeah. And, and so, like, the wave just starts, and then you just, you can't, you're stuck in it until it's over, and that's very much the way I wanted Socrates to feel in the film, in his life, because that's the way I was feeling in my life, because my mom had died very recently, so I'd come off a very personal uh, uh, loss and situation, and I went from that right into making the film, so I was able to bring those feelings of just anxiety and grief and channel that into the movie, and so that was very interesting for me, and that's also why the film, despite representing um, people from situations that are very different from mine, it's still a very personal film in the way the story is told and in the emotions. And that's what I think what makes it so universal. Yeah, and and uh, in, the, in the performance uh, by Christian, and help me out with this, how do you say his last name? Valieros, Christian Valieros, Valieros. who is amazing. Yeah, he's, he, he, go ahead, sorry. No, please, you go ahead. No, it's a remarkable performance, and one of the things that you mentioned, you know, when you mentioned that your mom died, the film obviously starts with that, with his fight, discovering, a 15-year-old boy discovering that his mom's dead, which, I mean, that just, by itself, that would be a trauma that would put most people right on the floor, uh, but he he has this sort of desperate sense of survival and what he needs to do, and then there are moments when... It all catches up with him when he'll just burst into tears. 
because mm-hmm. it's just overwhelming. And, and, and what I appreciate about the story and about this performance as well is I really don't think this is very far from the actual day-to-day experience of so many people, not just in Sao Paulo, not in the poorer parts of Sao Paulo, but also in people living in these kind of third world cultures, third world societies where uh, you are just, you're, you're, you're close to the edge all the time. And that's what comes across in the film. Well, I think a lot of middle-class people feel that way these days, too. Yeah. I mean, watch 99 Homes again. I, I know yeah. you've seen it. Like, I think it's, it's, it's catching up to a lot of people. Uh, the world's been changing a lot. But, but, you know, going back to what you were saying about Christian, Christian Maliers and his performance, um, I wanted him to just be out of breath all the time. Yeah. So actually, when we shot the film, I would make him do some of the scenes as if he couldn't breathe. And I think that's what brings um, a lot of the intensity. But also, he's just... I've never worked with an actor who, at such a young age, just gets it. And he... Like, I remember his audition. Like, he showed up the first uh, run on the audition. He's a theater actor. He was trained in theater. I mean... He, he was, like, basically born to be an actor, and he's actually kind of blowing up in Brazil right now. But, he, you know, he his first audition was very big. It was very, like, very theater. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, like, I really like him, but I don't know if this is going to work. So I told him, like, listen, this is film, like, the camera just captures everything. Everything your face does, I'm going to see it 30 times bigger. So you have to do everything much smaller. And that's all I had to say. He just immediately, he got it. So the amazing thing about working with him is that you just tell him what you want, and he just does it. I, I don't know how uh, um, somebody of that age is, is able to do that, but he, he is. And, and so that's why people love working with him. He just takes direction yeah. so well. Yeah, and it's a tr- it is a terrific film. Again, the film is Socrates. If people want to find out more about the film, there's SocratesFilm.com. Well, congratulations on the project. Congratulations on your work on the project and the incorporation of these uh, these young men and women into the into the making of the film and to UNICEF for for their support and uh, for all a lot of reasons. This is one of those films that uh, you 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 really want to see just be, just for a lot of good reasons to go check this out. Again, the film is Socrates, and we've been talking with the director of the film. Alex Morato, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Mike. It's a real pleasure. As well, as well. Thank you, Alex. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.